Hey everybody, it's Norm Ferrar, aka The Beard Guy here, and welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about customer retention strategies that keep customers coming back. We're going to also be talking about how our guests are our guests' biggest takeaways from bootstrapping his own business, some key components to retention uh, marketing strategies, and what's one thing brands are missing out on. Okay, everybody, welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the, the e-commerce and Amazon uh, FBA podcast. Lunch with Norm. Lunch with Norm. Lunch with Norm. Okay, well, we're fresh back from the F1 event that we had. And uh, if anybody's listening from that event, just uh, it was uh, awesome hanging out with everybody this weekend. It was, uh, we had a lot of fun, smoked a few cigars. I think that's why my voice is a little bit raspy today. But anyways, uh, all in all, we had a, a, an incredible weekend. So thanks again for everybody who uh, came out. And also, um kevin king once again for coming on the ask me anything right after right after the uh the event was over so i really appreciate that i always appreciate him so like i said today we're going to be talking about customer retention strategies to keep keep customers coming back our guest he's a gen x entrepreneur his business approach focuses on creating empowered and thriving teams as a key driver to his business success. His entrepreneurial endeavors work to break the mold and create innovation for clients and their customers. His model has successfully scaled early stage startups, Fortune 500s, and everything in between. Our guest today, first time guest, Brandon Amoroso. So we'll get to him shortly, but first let's have a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Clear Ads. Looking to maximize your Amazon ads ROI? Well, whether you need full service or just one or two services, Clear Ads Amazon advertising experts drive outstanding results across the Amazon marketplace. With over nine years of experience, their Amazon PPC managers have helped thousands of companies to drive down their cost of sales and scale up their revenue, profits, and orders. And with their unrivaled Amazon DSP expertise, ClearAd's DSP services are tailored to your brand. You really can't go wrong. Get in touch today with ClearAd's dedicated team by visiting the link in the description or visiting clearads.co.uk. And remember, more sales, better ROI, incredible growth. Check out ClearAds today. All right, where is my clubbing partner? Hey, how's it going? Welcome everyone to the show. That's the uh, Lunch with Norm podcast, and it's good to see everyone. Welcome, uh, CoolHand99. Let us know where you're watching from. And uh, yeah, we're going to get started in just a few minutes. Uh, How did you like going and clubbing with your dad? It was an interesting experience, I got to say. For those who don't know, at the uh, CMS events, one of the events was an after party with uh, Marshmallow. And uh, so me and Norm here got to experience clubbing for the first time together, which was uh, very interesting. Your your first time. I go all the time. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I bet. Um, but yeah, it was a good time and, uh, yeah, can't believe it's all over, but, uh, can't wait for the next event too, hopefully. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, uh, uh, as you guys know, the drill, smash those like buttons, give us a thumbs up if you're excited for today's episode. Um, we do this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and at 12 PM Eastern time. And we do have a great giveaway too. So stick around, um, to find out more details there. And uh, if you are interested in joining the community, you can check out Lunch with Norm, a Amazon FBA e-commerce collective. Uh, links are in the description. And uh, if you have any questions throughout the show, just let us know in the comment sections. We will be getting to them um, in the second half of the show. And uh, I think that's about it. We got another comment here from Connor. Hey, guys. Hey, Connor. How's it going? And uh, yeah, we can get started. Okay, very good. So like Kelsey said, if you do have any questions or comments, throw them over in the comments section. But for now, sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee, 
enjoy the show. Welcome, Brandon, for the first time. Thanks for having me. So what you don't have is a cup of coffee in front of you, right? It's it water. We'll, we'll get you out some branded Lunch with Norm water, I guess, if uh, if you're not a coffee drinker. but uh, I, I am. I've just already had too much today. So. All right. Very good. So whereabouts are you located? Uh, I'm based in Miami. I moved uh, early. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, very good. I'm down that way quite often. But uh, anyways, you don't want to hang around with an old man. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, if we go to Marshmallow, you'll probably yeah. be into yeah. it, right? Yeah. Okay, very good. Uh, all right, we're talking about customer retention strategies today, and uh, I I'm kind of interested because Kelsey was telling me a lot more. Uh, he was looking more into your background and and seeing everything that was happening. He's, he's you know you've done things right, you've done things differently. I think, and I want to know more about that. And I think the audience does as well. Now, most of our audience is. Uh, Amazon based, but we also have e-com listeners. So just to give you a, a brief overview of our audience. Okay. Got it. Would it be helpful just to give a quick background and an intro? Absolutely. You go for it. Awesome. Um, so I started freelancing probably late 2017, early 2018, um, while I was going to school at USC out in LA, primarily for small like Shopify stores. Mm-hmm. Anywhere from one to two person shops, maybe doing anywhere from $100,000 to half a million dollars a year in online sales at the highest end, um, working for them for free or super cheap, just trying to build out reviews, case studies, and and learn as much as I possibly could, because it's not like you learn about any of these things in school or like the only way to get experience is to just start doing it. So did that for about a year um, around May 2019, that was when I was graduating. That's when I launched Electric, which was the, the marketing agency. Uh, took on one full-time uh, team member, moved to a really shitty office in Chinatown uh, down, in Los, down in Los Angeles. No windows in the back corner of a, of a co-working space, which no longer exists today already. Um, and then for the past three years, have just been uh, growing and scaling uh, the business, making a lot of mistakes and learning a lot of things uh, along the way. Um, there's obviously a lot that happened in that three-year period, but um, fast forward to end of April this year, we were about 40, 45 team members, and uh, we were acquired by uh, Drinks.com, which is a beverage technology uh, company who uh, recently launched a partnership with Shopify to power uh, ship-to-home sort of alcohol programs uh, across the U.S. So that's the that's the quick TLDR. Oh, very, very interesting. I think after the podcast or something, we've got to talk about that. I, I'm really curious about drinks.com. Uh, so I want to, you went from zero to 45 or one to 45 people from 2017 until when? So really 2019 to 2022. Because um, the first, like, first year and a half was just me freelancing, yep. trying to build out any sort of resemblance of uh, like reviews and authority in the space. Uh, Cause who's going to trust a random college student with their sizable like e-commerce business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of that first year and a half, two years was just uh, trying to get as much credibility as possible. Uh, I think the first year we went from about um, one to be five or six people. Then the next year was like six to about 15 and then the last year was really when um, things took off and all of the groundwork that we had been sort of laying in terms of uh, industry uh, credentials, credibility, technology partners, client referrals, all that sort of came to a head. And that's really what propelled us to that next stage of growth. How many customers did you have? Uh, we had about 40, 45 clients. Um, okay. And yeah. and uh, the uh, the handling of the growth. So I've been involved with some fairly healthy. Um, I call them hyper growth companies. Mm-hmm. And how did you do it? You're just fresh out of school. You're growing this company, and with no experience, really, correct? Yeah, no experience. And and you were able to to grow it successfully. Uh, to uh, 45 people. How did you handle the growth? 
I mean, there's definitely a, a fair amount of, of road bumps. Um, mm -hmm. And luckily with the industry that we're in, like if things were, there was a, a lot of gaps uh, because we were bootstrapped as well. So in those early days, you sort of would sell, but you didn't necessarily have the full like staff to back it up. And so I would have to be that staff. Um, so there were, there were a lot of late nights, me filling in the gaps where, where necessary. And, um, part of what I tried to do is find team members that were like-minded like me in terms of their desire and ability to want to just jump in and learn new things and really push the needle and not be afraid to, to fail. And so trying to find team members, um, typically on the younger side, though, really wouldn't have mattered what their age was who could take over an individual department and really make it their own. And so gave a lot of autonomy, uh, but also accountability to uh, key like strategic team members. And I'd say it worked out like 80% of the time, but mm -hmm. there was like one or two times where it just was either, um, it could have been the right person, but just the wrong role or the wrong person for the right role. And so there were some, some roadblocks along the way, but a big thing was investing in processes and also training, especially on the agency side of uh, the business, because of the fact that people aren't coming out of school, like prepared at all for anything that we're doing, you really need to have basically like your own mini boot camp within your agency to teach people, this is how we do things. This is the state of the industry. These are the tools and technologies that we leverage. Um, so put up a lot, put a lot of investment into that side of things, but it actually got easier the bigger that we got, because the bigger that we were, we could invest in hiring people without necessarily knowing, oh, this person's immediately going to start making additional profit for us. Oh, okay. Very good. Now let's talk a little bit about the uh, bootstrapping side of things. So just learning, uh, you know, some of your biggest learning experiences uh, from bootstrapping your own business. So there's so much like non-glamorous stuff that goes on behind the scenes that I didn't really know about. And I hope I never have to deal with or, or do again. Um, everything from managing uh, QuickBooks to doing the taxes, to doing trying to get set up with payroll, uh, healthcare. There's it was a, it was significantly easier for me when we were like one to five, one to six employees. When we were in that like six to ten, or really even ten to twenty range, we were like too big to be doing some of the scrappy stuff I was doing before but we were too small to get set up with like a PEO provider to handle all of our healthcare and, and payroll because it was just too expensive. Um, so that like in between phase was, was a little bit of a nightmare. And uh, the AR is, I probably still have nightmares about that. Now. Yeah. Having to handle client collections, dealing with that. It, there's all that backend office administrations, administration stuff that I didn't really have a team for. So those were some fun things that I got to, that I got to learn about. Yeah. So if you're, and this is for the listeners. So if you're an Amazon seller or if you're an e-commerce seller and you, and you're spreading out your wings and let's say you're going into retail now, all of a sudden you've never had really had to experience this except for, you know, Amazon paying you two weeks out in retail. It's a whole different story. And if you want to experience um, stress, Maybe a little stress on cash flow. Try playing with retail. Uh, I I like retail. I I I am in retail. I don't have any issues with it. But I went in eyes wide open. And if you don't understand what you were saying about AR, uh, like you were talking about it on the client side, right? So that's a whole different story. But yeah. for for anybody who's in ecom who's saying, oh. Maybe I, I want to get into TJ Maxx or Costco or Walmart, not Walmart uh, Marketplace, but you know Walmart itself. Um, yeah, make sure you understand retail. <laughs> Take a course. But uh, I just wanted to, to say that. And also, if anybody who's listening, and by the way, I see Claudia, you're back. I hadn't seen you for a little while. Uh, I'm uh, glad to see you that you're back on, uh, on the uh, show today live. Uh, one of the things I want to talk to people about is, are these bootstrapping issues? Do you have issues or have you, did you have a problem getting your stores started? And if you did, let us know why. 
Uh, now let's talk about customer retention because I, I think that's where you really took off, right? You were able to retain customers. How did you do it? Yeah, so in early, mid 2021, we pivoted because as the business was growing, we would basically say yes to anything um, in terms of services that we would offer. And mm -hmm. also trying to figure out like, what did I actually enjoy doing within the e-commerce space? What were we truly good at? Uh, and any, any revenue was revenue for us. And it allowed me to go out and hire more team members. Mm -hmm. So uh, at a certain point though, it became a distraction and we weren't focused and um, saw an opportunity on the retention side, specifically off the backs of uh, Klaviyo, which is the sort of predominant email and SMS marketing platform for Shopify businesses to really go all in on that and pivoted entirely into uh, retention as a service. So everything that we do now is related to customer experience, like on site all the way through uh, post-purchase, getting them to come back and, and reorder. So we don't do paid ads. We don't do affiliate marketing. Uh, we really stay in our lane when it comes to being that retention uh, marketing expert. And that sort of translated very well throughout not only our messaging on the website, like it becomes very clear, this is what we do, this is why we're experts, this is why you should work with us, all the way through our one pager and our proposals and materials that would go out to prospective clients. So that really stuck. And then the iOS updates came, acquisition continued to get more and more expensive. Brands were looking for solutions around uh, solving their retention problems more so than they ever had been before. So a little bit of uh, luck in terms of the timing, but also I think there's a lot to be said for just going all in on one specialty. Makes your team more efficient and more effective, but also uh, the sales process became significantly easier because we're not trying to explain how we do 25 different things. What about for our listeners? They're, so they're not agencies, uh, they're sellers, uh, typically on one platform, maybe two. Uh, any advice you can give to them? So something that I like to do is, and I, it'll definitely differ for Amazon because I think customer retention on Amazon, you're not able to control it as much as you are on like a Shopify store or mm -hmm. in a more traditional e-commerce channel. Um, but go through the process of actually like ordering from your brand, uh, whether it's the Amazon experience, or you're going through the website experience all the way through getting the transactional emails and texts about when your order's coming, what does the unboxing experience look like? Do that quarterly and continue to check and make sure that that is actually a, a strong experience. And then when it comes to uh, the e-commerce side of things, try and think about how you could personalize an experience for your brand, for a customer to make it more relevant. And then once you think about how personalization could make it more relevant, and I'll just use like a skincare brand as an example. Um, like, let's say I know somebody has dry skin, then I can tailor all the message, messaging and communication that gets sent to them to be around products for dry skin, content around dry skin. And that's just one example of how we could make the consumer experience more relevant for that particular customer. And then you can take that throughout all of the messaging that you sent to them after that first order. And there's ways that you can aggregate that data just via like first party data, but there's also some zero party data collection uh, efforts that you can put in place, whether it's surveys, uh, reviews, quizzes, things of that nature, where the customer is actually giving you the information explicitly and then leverage that to personalize what, what happens for their customer experience moving forward. I, uh, I like the approach that you're taking with customer experience. Uh, we talk about that quite a bit and just ordering not only your product to see what it's like, because who knows, a fulfillment center could be screwing up. Yeah. And which happens frequently. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, and you don't, might not know what's going out, but all of a sudden you're starting to get these negative reviews or negative feedback. And, you know, it, it's hard to change. And the, the other thing, you might have ordered something from the manufacturer and I've had this happen where they've just tried to save a buck and it ruined the product. And from my experience, it was awful. The product, we, went, we were going through the broker. We, we actually bought a, a, a factory in China, but um, well, technically. Uh, anyways, 
because of this experience. So we were doing all these uh, PPE products uh, back in the day where you'd have these hand wipes. And our broker, Freddie, Freddie the broker, he decided that he was going to take that little strip of microfilm that you put inside and he was going to cheapen it. So when the container came in, 100% of our product, $50,000 worth of product, was dripping with alcohol. Mm. So not only did the alcohol go through, but that was a problem because now the container is contaminated with it. And all of this happened because he was trying to save a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a penny. Yeah. So you have to be careful when, and you know, we talk about inspection agencies and this is why, you know, we, we have inspection agencies, but that's just one of my many, many, many experiences with uh, paying my Amazon tax. Um, and it can be quite painful. Yeah. I mean, there's a fine line because um, obviously the pennies add up, especially at yes. scale, but there's a fine line that you have to sort of walk of uh, getting those pennies out and making more profit versus really shooting yourself in the foot and, and totally screwing everything up because you, you, you went for cost over everything else. I'm kind of curious. Um, so through your agency, what were, I call it paying the tax, but what was something that just came up randomly that you had no idea would, that would come up and bite you? I mean, my, not that it was random, but like the first tax bill that I had to pay was, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to think if there was anything really unexpected. One of the things I guess would be since we transitioned to like being fully remote, each state has their own rules and requirements around like payroll reporting, fees, registration, all these other things that you have to do. Um, that was quite the surprise and a complete pain to deal with, especially when we weren't using somebody like a, like a Trinet or one of these other providers that just mm -hmm. handled all like payroll. Um, so that was unexpected and, and not fun. On the customer retention side, what what's a few points that brands need or what are they missing out on? Why do they have to uh, constantly check up on their uh, on their brands or what can they do? Uh, let me get this. I just got back from a, an event. I'm I just uh, went with my son and partied with Marshmallow. So uh, I'm I'm off. I'm I'm an old guy. So <laughs> hey, let's go back. What can brands do or what are they missing out on for customer retention? So I'll focus more on, on like Shopify and e-commerce. Sure. And, because I think that's where you can impact retention more than just like product quality and branding. Like there's a lot of things that you sort of have to leave to to faith, I think, in the in the Amazon world when it comes to customer retention because you can't hit them with marketing thereafter. Their transactional experience is owned by Amazon. But on the on the e-commerce side of things, so many brands will just leave the transactional experience to like automated emails and texts that aren't personalized. And it's more like just, hey, here's your order, nothing special about it, no customization, no personalization at all. Um, but on average, customers will check where their order is 4.6 times per order. And typically we see our brand's website traffic um, is about 15 to 20% of it going to these order confirmation pages. If you're just using basic order confirmation pages or God forbid, even sending them to like the FedEx or USPS website to track their order, you're missing out on additional branded touch points, pushing more content, product discovery, the ability to personalize as well. So like we'll have a separate transactional experience for uh, one-shot customers versus subscription customers because for one-shot customers we want to try and push them into the subscription program for subscription customers we want to get them to refer and advocate for the brand to their friends since obviously they like it they're a subscription customer so so many brands are missing out on on taking advantage of that because they just let it go like your standard oh here's your order confirm email everybody gets the same thing we don't track how the how it performs if it drives revenue or or anything like that um, and I say the second is customer service historically has been looked at as a cost center 
It's like, how can we make customer service be as cheap as possible? Where can we outsource it to? Um, but that is a huge lever for brands to be able to pull for retention. You have a strong customer experience and there's, there's studies out there that show, in fact, like if a customer has a negative experience, but then you do right by them and like go out of your way to make it right, they're going to be more likely to have a higher LTV. They're going to be more likely to refer your brand to other people. So looking at customer service as actually a ROI generating channel that can produce incremental revenue for you versus, oh, it's just customer service. Let's try and make it as cheap as possible, outsource it somewhere and uh, try not to try not to have it cost too much. Yeah. And sometimes with that too, I don't know about you, you, you see something, you go, it might be a TV commercial, who knows? Anyways, it's, oh, I've got to go and buy it. And you go over, you got a couple questions and you go to their um, online chat or it's, it's forced over to a messenger, right? So you're using uh, Facebook messenger, it pops up and you're trying to get either the question asked or a question that they don't have. And all of a sudden, okay, can I talk to somebody? Well, the hamburger is there, but it doesn't have that information. You go into this perpetual loop, you get frustrated, and then you just get ticked off at the, at, like at the, at, uh, at, at the ah, place where you're going to buy the product from. And so it, it leaves you with a really negative experience. And also, if you just have really cust crappy customer service, so it might just be somebody that's monitoring and they know nothing about your product. I, and I've seen this too, where they take your information, they say, oh, well, somebody will get back to you. If you've got that person that's bang on and knows the information, it's like a bloody relief, you know, being able to just, wow, they get it, they understand it. And it's next time I'm going to buy something, unless they screw it up with their customer experience, right? When they come and it's a terrible package. You're going to go back to that person. And like you said, you're going to talk to people uh, about your experience. Yeah. It's so important. I, that customer experience cannot be understated. And I think the days of um, cheap customer acquisition costs are forcing brands to focus more and more on it because you used to be able to get away with, oh, maybe customers are only spending $50 over the course of their lifetime with our store, but it only costs like $10 to acquire them. So who cares? Let's just keep go dumping money into Facebook ads or whatever it may be. Um, now it costs $50 to acquire customers, but they're still only spending $50 at your store. So you don't have a business anymore. You need to focus on why people aren't coming back, making that second order. What's actually wrong with your, with your brand? What is it? The product? Is it the branding? Is it the messaging? Um, so I think it's, it, it should be a good thing for the long term and for consumers because yeah, there's less of that ability to just have strong top of funnel direct response campaigns to get that first order that are still profitable. And then a, a, a crappy customer experience after that. You mentioned about uh, driving people over to different landing pages. So the one time to the subscription model, what app are you using on Shopify? For subscription? Uh, well, no, for these landing pages. Oh, for the uh, taking the transactional so we typically use Malomo. So that allows you to take your um, transactional emails and texts out of Shopify and move them into Klaviyo or Attentive. And then once they're in Klaviyo, then you can use all the data that's in Klaviyo to create separate transactional journeys, um, do a bunch of personalization. You can create the custom order tracking pages. Uh, there's a couple of other tools as well, like Wonderment and uh, Aftership and Narvar. Those four are are the, the preeminent players in that space. Um, but they well, we'll see how good Kelsey is because uh, you just mentioned four. Let's see if he gets one of them. <laughs> I, yeah, I've got a, I, I'm interested in that as well because uh, you know, some of the times we're just putting out blanket tracking orders and uh, what you're saying is uh, something, something interesting. We haven't done it. So uh, yeah, what you're saying is very, um, very interesting for me. Because, yeah, if we're just sending them out to the FedEx or, you know, whatever service we're using, it's just kind of a boring experience. Why not capture and try to rebrand? Right. <laughs> okay. So at this point, we're at the bottom of the hour. And uh, at 
you know, we're always talking about uh, the hashtag Wheel of Kelsey. Well, it's coming up today. We have a giveaway. It's a great giveaway. Brandon, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what uh, what you have in mind? Yeah, so, I mean, all we do is live and breathe uh, customer retention. So we're going to be giving away a free uh, retention uh, consultation and an audit that we uh, actually require of any brand that's, like, thinking about working with us. We have them go and go through this retention audit process because that leads into how we could potentially help them and, and work together. So as opposed to charging for it, we're, we're going to do it for free. And uh, it will usually is around like, I'd say 30 to 45 slides going through pretty in depth. Uh, some of the things that you uh, should be thinking about areas that you could be either like increasing uh, average order value or helping improve retention from both the website experience all the way through your, your emails and texts. So. That's a great giveaway. So if you're Amazon seller or e-commerce seller, this is something that you really do need to round up your customer journey. You know, if you don't, it's fine to get a sale, but if you can't keep them, can't keep them coming back, uh, then you have a problem. And especially uh, with post post purchase, you know, if, if, you, you just can't get their attention and bring them back. You got a problem. So this is a really great uh, giveaway. It's the first time we've ever given anything like this away too. So it's hashtag Wheel of Kelsey. Tag two people, you'll get a second entry. And also, uh, any of the listeners, if you've had, I'd like to know about your customer retention. If you've got any comments, if you've got any questions about it, how, how, well, how well do you think you're doing? If you're doing something a little bit different, just throw it in the comments section. So, Kelsey, before we get to the next question, can we go to our commercial, please? I want to give a quick shout out to an incredible group of sponsors who help keep our podcast running. The Lunch with Norm podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of the following sponsors. Post Purchase Pro, Clear Ads, Goldstein Patent Law, Honu Worldwide, Netfluence.co, Video Telepathy, Startup Club, and Dragonfish Brand Management. I just want to let our sponsors know, you're awesome. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, so let's talk about what brands need to do. Are, are there any action steps that, that they can do? And if so, can we just kind of run through them? Yeah, so I think for me, it all starts with um, the moment you get to the product page, what that experience looks like for, for a customer. Because like, I think a lot of brands think about retention as being after the purchase takes place, but your customers are still having an experience throughout that entire website journey. And so we try to think about how we can make that as seamless as a process uh, as possible whether it's guiding them through uh, potentially a, a quiz, it's including uh, or leveraging a tool that can showcase dynamic like product recommendations for them to purchase based off of their like past purchasing behavior on other Shopify sites. Just trying to think, make things as relevant as possible. Uh, one big thing on the product page, for example, is having reviews, but having reviews that are um, authentic. So nobody believes you have 10,000 five-star reviews and no negative reviews, which I don't think is as big of an issue on Amazon. Um, but on Shopify, I mean, you can just not, you could choose to not show any negative reviews if you wanted to on your product page. But customers see through that. They know it's BS and they want to see why people left one or two stars. They are, they crave authenticity. So uh, for one, make sure that you're actually showcasing relevant reviews that are negative. Two would be in that review request process, ask for things beyond just like, is it a one, two, three, four, or five star rating? Uh, I'll use the skincare example again, but actually let's do coffee. I'll use the coffee example. One of our coffee clients in that review request process, we get how many stars they rate the product. But then we also ask them, how do you typically brew your coffee? And how do you typically drink it? And that way, when a new visitor comes on site, they can filter the reviews at the bottom, bottom of the product page based off of other people who are like them. So let's say I brew my coffee, uh, I, I do a cold brew method and I drink it black. So I can go to the reviews widget and filter for 
other customers who brew their coffee and drink their coffee the same way. So all the reviews I'm looking at now are much more relevant to me versus somebody who's using a coffee maker and drinks it with cream. So that's one example of how that zero party data can be relevant for somebody visiting the website, but also for the person who answered those questions. Now I know, oh, this person is a black coffee drinker and only does cold brew. So product recommendations, campaigns that I send to them via email and text moving forward, let's tailor those to be around cold brew. Let's send them cold brew recipes. That sort of shows you how it goes beyond just the one-to-one -one for the customer and can impact uh, things beyond, beyond that as well. Second would be as soon as somebody presses add to cart, having AOV boosting tactics in like a slide out cart. So the ability to uh, add other recommended products. Let's say you add a, uh, a, cold, a bag of uh, beans that are typically used for cold brew. Let's cross sell them a, um, what, are, what is it called? Those like jars. Let's cross sell them a mason jar that they can actually make the cold brew in. Let's give them the ability to upgrade that product to a subscription if they want to and save five or 10% off. Then they start going through the checkout process. Let's show them more product cross sells. Biggest tip after they place an order though, as soon as the order has been confirmed, we will have a pop-up show that basically says, oh, you have like five minutes to take advantage of this special offer. Just press this button and it'll append it to your existing order. We typically see 10 to 15% of our customers take advantage of whatever that offer may be. So it's basically free revenue because there is the thought process, oh, all these cross sales throughout the checkout process could potentially be distracting or hurt conversion rate. But the post-purchase one-click cross-sell, the order's already gone through. So your absolute worst case scenario is they just don't take advantage of the cross-sell. So we see a huge AOV lift from that. Um, and then from there, a lot of it goes into the transactional stuff that we were talking about earlier with personalizing what that looks like, depending on what was purchased. Um, and then start to treat your customers who have spent a lot with you or who have ordered a lot from you in a different way than you do everybody else. My favorite thing to do is to, when we start with new clients, is to segment their database based off of like all customers who have ordered 10 or more times. And I'd say 99% of the time, those customers are communicated with in the same way that people who've ordered once are communicated with. It's like, well, can you imagine how much more they would buy from you if you just treated them special <laughs> because of the fact that they have ordered from you 10 times? Like, have you actually, maybe even call one of them, have a conversation with them, figure out why they love your brand so much, how you can make that um, sort of take what they love about it and infuse it into the rest of the things that you're doing. So that was a lot, but I think that would be, that would be a good place where good places for, for a brand to start. Yeah. I really like the idea about your last point about treating your customers differently if they're repeat customers. And you talked about calling. I, I was at a, a a conference just recently, and somebody was talking about actually picking up the phone and calling. You know what a concept! And you know if the person answered, even if it goes to voicemail, and you yeah. just said, "Hey, this is so and so from," and just either thanking them, uh, do they have any suggestions? How is the process? Uh, that's great feedback and they feel special. I'm wondering what you feel about this. One of the guys that I was talking to, um, he was saying that he uses a video. Now there's a video like a, just a, I forget what it's called. Uh, oh, it's a famous app. Uh, anyways, he just uses this to personalize orders. And if it's a repeat customer, he'll go and he'll say, hey, so-and-so, and he'll just do this very quick video and send it out to him. I talked to my team and they said, oh, that would suck. Uh, don't do it. You know, nobody wants to look at a customer service person just thanking them. And and I'm sitting here going, I would, I, I don't know. I think I'd kind of like that. Just, you know, it, it's not, it's personalized around the sale. It's personalized around me. Why not? Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on it? Because I want to go back to them and say I was right. I think you are right. Okay. <laughs> the personalization, you know, like whether it's from the founder or if it's from a, a CST member, um, like we did an AB test and this is kind of related. Um, 
we did an A-B test for an SMS campaign for Black Friday with one of our brands. Uh, one of them had a selfie like of the founder with the product, making it in the warehouse. Uh, the other did not. The one that like was from the founder with the selfie far outperformed the one that was just like brand oriented and like, cause there's no authenticity connection. Like so many brands now are founder led and customers relate and attach to the, the founder. So I think it's super important to, to showcase that. And then um, this whole like concierge experience, like you see it at like, like a Sephora or, or Neiman Marcus where they have those loyalty programs. And then once you're above a certain level, then you have your concierge, um, similar things in, in some other industries as well that is proven to be to be effective uh, you want that one-to-one -one experience even if it's not technically one-to-one -one, and you're using like a software that makes it seem like it's personalized and customers care and, and they show it, it shows in the retention numbers as well yeah one of the things that we would do to personalize i use uh well uh, i'm into jewelry and not so much into it anymore, but back in the day. And it was old technology, but it really worked. Somebody would order uh, brace or necklaces online, and these were all pearls. And we would actually show a video of the person stringing the, the pearls together, finishing it up, putting it into the uh, DHL package, and showing the package going off, and then they would get it. Um, it was kind of a really cool personalization thing where they actually got to see their necklace being made. Um, mm -hmm. But the only thing holding us back was technology back 10, 15 years ago. Oh, it was horrible. I, just video, trying to get the video out. But uh, yeah, I, I love what you're saying. I uh, think nothing too hard. And it's taken that little extra step and most of the time, what you're talking about, there is an app there that can help, right? Yeah, there's an app for everything, pretty much at this point. Um, whether it's good or not is, uh, is 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 dependent on on what it is, um, because there's definitely some apps that we've worked with that aren't exactly uh, up to par yet. But I mean, the the rate of innovation, I think, especially in e-commerce over the last two to three years, has been has been significant, though something I've been seeing is sort of a, a consolidation as well as uh, technology companies trying to go after um, each other's sort of footprint because they raise a lot of money over the last two, three years. And they realize that there's a there's a finite point that you can grow a reviews app to where you can grow an SMS app too, or you can grow a quiz app too. And so now they're trying to branch out into other features and functionality that are a part of the e-commerce sort of suite versus continuing to innovate in their particular lane. So I, I think over the next year, we'll probably see less and less innovation in more like this technology company creating a competing product to one of the other technology mm -hmm. products in the e-commerce space as they look for more avenues for uh, revenue growth. Earlier on, you were talking about uh, reviews, authentic reviews, agree 100%. But when you talk about filtering, I'm curious about that. Uh, again, just is there an app that you're doing or something custom that you're doing to filter? Because I, I, I love that idea and the yeah. example that you gave. We, we use a Kendo on our Shopify stores. Um, Kendo. Yeah. O-K-E-N-D-O. And um, there's, I mean, we implement it like custom on the website in terms of the style, design, look and feel. Um, and we have to formulate like the questions and how it integrates with our email and SMS flows. But they provide you the ability to ask for that information as a part of the review request process and then and then showcase it. And you typically see it the most, I think, with clothes like, oh, you can filter by um, I don't know, gender, height, uh, age. And then that way I can see like, oh, this person who's 6'1", 175 pounds, wears this size and does this activity with this sports uh, shirt or whatever it may be. 
So yeah. you're, you're slowly building a profile on that customer. Yes. And then that can help inform new purchases as well from other customers. Love it. Perfect. All right. If you're joining us a little bit late, uh, we have a great giveaway today. And if you've just listened to the last um, few minutes, there's a ton of takeaways here. And this is on customer retention. What can you do to build up your customer retention? So Brandon's got a, a, a great agency. Um, and one of the things that he's learned is, you know, how to do this and how to do this well. So if you have uh, any questions, throw them into the comment section. We have a sharp or a hard cutoff today, but um, just get your qu uh, questions in. I think we could probably take one more here. We've got two in there right now. And if you'd like to get his customer retention uh, audit, which I think is really cool, and it's about 30 slides or so, um, hashtag Wheel of Kelsey and tag two people and you'll get a second entry. So we're going to be cutting off in about 10 minutes. Uh, let's get a question. Okay. Yeah. So we have a couple of questions here. Uh, first one is from coolhay 99 Are most of these types of things, such as the pop-up or the timed offer, just plug in and play uh, add-ons in Shopify? So for the pop-up with the timed offer, we use Rebuy for that. Um, I, can, I think the website is rebuyengine.com. Um, and that is plug and play, but that app actually powers, uh, onsite like product recommendations. It powers the, the smart cart, like the cart that slides out, uh, accordion style. Um, it powers the in checkout upsells and cross sells as well. And then it also has that pop of, uh, with the timed offer on the order, on the order confirmation page. Okay. okay. Awesome. Uh, so I pasted the link there um, in the comments so you can check it out. Uh, from Claudia, uh, do you think adding a handwritten note into your product, thanking the customer for their purchase would help with customer retention? If so, is there a service you could hire uh, to write the notes for you? So I haven't run like an A-B test here to see whether or not it, it truly does, but I'd have a hard time imagining that a handwritten note to a customer is not going to make an impact and then also be able to generate some nice, like you should generate a content for you when they take a picture of it and post it on social and share it with their friends and stuff like that. Um, I'm not sure about a service though. If you're using a 3PL, uh, they would need to do it. But if you're small enough and you are uh, fulfilling the orders yourself, then you, I would just recommend that, that you do it yourself. Um, yeah, uh, right now, so with my products that I used to bring in from China, uh, I would do about 20,000 handwritten generic notes, uh, and they would just come in, and then we throw them into the, uh, the box. These are generic. Uh, but right now, uh, with what we're doing, so Afalabi, if, uh, those who been listening to the show, Afalabi is my partner over at Honu, and I kind of adopted that, and and well, I, I got him to over when he's picking stuff for me. So in my products I'm sending out, his his uh, team are writing handwritten notes for me and sending them out. Now, Rise, if you know Dima Kubrick, um, Rise has got a service that will do the... Uh, think it looks like a handwritten note uh, i don't i'm not sure if it's an actual person that that does it but uh dima if you want to connect with him uh he's uh he's at rise and uh he's also uh he's also um uh we've done a podcast with him before i believe he's in our resource section as well but just check him out if you want me to send you over his information no problem just dm me and i'll get that to you Okay, um, let me see. Any other questions, Kels? Uh, no, I think that's it. Good. I've got one last thing. So, Brandon, if you had to do things over again, what would you do differently? Hmm. I don't think we have enough time to go through the list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think, ooh, hmm. What would I do differently? 
I, I would have specialized sooner um, just and said no to certain services, certain clients, because some revenue is just not worth it, whether it's because it doesn't fit within your particular uh, focus or because the, the client just didn't match up with the team personality or strengths or had unrealistic expectations around what this was going to look like. Um, those would be the two things. So specialize sooner, say no more often than not. Um, I, I, it, but it's easy to say in hindsight, because like in the moment, I was like, wow, like ooh, we're going to get this revenue. We're going to be able to hire some more people. But then it ended up being more of a headache than, uh, than it would have been otherwise. Great. Yeah, great answer. I, I wish I would have done that. Uh, you know, going on the agency side, uh, and I know a lot of people listening aren't on agencies, but one of the things that I wish I would have learned much earlier on was to fire, to terminate horrible clients. Yes. You know, and I guess you can you can show that. I, I mean, it's harder to do as a customer. You know, when um when when you're dealing with a customer, you just try to get them off your back. If you've got somebody that's constantly complaining. Um, or you know that they're abusing the system. It's a little bit tougher to do. I don't know if you, you know what? Do you have any, do you know those really pain in the butt clients or uh, customers who are complaining about everything? You know that they're playing the system. They just want free product all the time. They won't go away. They just know how to abuse the system. And if you've got good customer service, you're working with them to solve that and you know that that's just not going to happen. What would you do? I mean, I think that's why it's important to have a really like robust customer service platform that you leverage. And then you can weed out those, those people who have small order sizes frequently, who have a lot of returns. And you can put it into your terms and conditions that, uh, however you want to phrase it, but you can only return products three times or something. I don't know. But... You can fire your customers. I mean, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you can't purchase from us anymore. You're clearly abusing the, because there are those people. Yeah. You're abusing the system. You're abusing the fact that we put so much of an emphasis and priority into customer service. So there's, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely those people um, unrelated, but the, all brands should be using discount codes that are unique. Like don't have a standard code that can just be shared across the internet. Um, my favorite thing to do as a, as a, as a consumer is like, you get that welcome pop-up on a website and it'll give you a code like welcome 10. I'm like, okay, well, why don't I just go try welcome 15 and welcome 20? Let's get crazy. Let's try welcome 30. See if it'll work. Um, I recently was able to get like 25% off because somewhere probably in their email welcome flow, maybe like email eight or something, they will give you that big discount, but they don't have it so that it's unique to the customer, which you can easily do now with all e-commerce solutions is create unique codes specific right. to that customer. And so got 25% off versus getting the 10% off. And you see that coupon abuse a lot, especially with things like Honey and um, these other tools. So just try to use the automated unique discount codes as much as humanly possible. It's funny when I was in college. Okay. I think we went out for a second. When I was in college, I did exactly what you said and we would be getting free pizzas just because of a stupid code and they didn't catch on for a long time. But uh, anyways, yeah, we ate pretty, pretty well for a little while. Anyways, I won't tell you more about my college days, but uh, <laughs> we had fun. Okay. So I think that's probably, it's pretty much it. Unless we have one more question, Kels, it looks like we do. Nope. Uh, we just oh, got you're just some not comments. doing your job, is that right? No, we just have some comments uh, from Cool Hand. So he was saying at the bike shop I work at, we have fired a couple customers. Claudia says thanks for the info, guys. Christine is uh, currently developing her Shopify site, so this has been helpful. Thank you. And uh, yeah, I think we're all set to go to the wheel of Kelsey. Okay. And, well, uh, let's. From that uh, that um, commercial first, though. All right. A big thank you to our sponsor, Post Purchase Pro. 
the only complete A to Z done for you real email and text marketing service built specifically for Amazon sellers. My friends, Sean Hart and Seth Stevens co-founded Post Purchase Pro after launching over a thousand successful private labeled products, growing 53 brands and get this exiting 17 businesses. Post Purchase Pro creates all of your digital assets 100% for you from marketing inserts, complete sales funnels, email follow-up sequences, and weekly email promotions. They manage and optimize everything for you to drive more sales, get higher ranking, and receive more reviews on Amazon. So check out Post Purchase Pro now to see if you too will see enormous growth like their nearly 500 clients worldwide. That's Post Purchase Pro at postpurchasepro.com slash lunch. Okay, so now we can go over to the Wheel of Kelsey. All right, here we go. The Turn your volume of- down, Brandon. It's time for the Wheel of Kelsey. All right. Thank you to our live listeners who entered today's Wheel of Kelsey. We do this every single podcast. And uh, here we go. We'll shuffle it up. If you are the winner today, please email me, k at lunchwithnorm.com, to claim your prize. You have about uh, 48 hours. Claudia is cleaning up. She got the virtual BDSS pass. She got this. Man. All right. So, Claudia, you know what to do. Email me, k at lunchwithnorm.com, and you'll receive your... uh, uh, customer attention on it. Okay. Well, that's it. We're going to get you out uh, on time today, Brandon. Well, thank you for having me. This was fun. It's been great. Yeah. Really enjoyed you coming on. Uh, hopefully we can get you back onto the podcast and, and just go through different rabbit holes. But uh, next time, you know, we'll go out to Ilium when I'm in, in, in Miami, you know, marshmallow, Ilium, you know, we'll just, we'll go out clubbing with Kels. <laughs> All right. And uh, Brandon, how do people get a hold of you um, if they're interested in your service? Um, I mean, LinkedIn's good. Uh, my website as well. There's also electricmarketing.com. It's electric, but with a Q instead of a C, um, which is our Shopify Plus agency. Any of those avenues work. Happy to chat through uh, any questions, really anything e-commerce related or, or business growth as a whatever. All right. Fantastic. Okay. And, you know, you listen to Brandon today. This is my first time talking with him. And if you like what you heard, you know, give him some love. Get over there and check out his website. Uh, I think uh, it, what I, I learned some stuff today, Brandon. So thanks for coming on again. Thank you for having me. All right. All right, everybody. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, this has been great. We haven't really talked about uh, customer retention. So hopefully you, you picked up a couple nuggets here. Uh, Kelsey, what do you got to say? All right. I uh, just want to say thanks, everyone, for joining us. Uh, Claudia says thanks, Brandon, Norman, Kelsey. It's good to see you as always, Claudia, and uh, everyone else who entered today and uh, was commenting and just joined us for today's episode. Thank you so much. And uh, we've got a very special episode next uh, or on Friday uh, with our Trash My Product episode. If you're new, um, this is a new segment that we're doing uh, where we get your product. You actually send us your product. We take a look at your product, go over the customer experience, um, take a look at the Amazon listing and give you uh, real advice and uh, give you an audit and see what you can improve and uh, give you a little rating at the end. So. Check it out Friday, 12 p.m. Eastern time. This is uh, in place of Lunch with Norm. It's still live, uh, just as usual. Uh, but come join us. That's the first time we're doing it. So, uh, yeah, it should be fun. And as usual, smash those like buttons if you enjoyed today's episode. Um, give us some love and share the episode if you found it interesting, enjoyable. And uh, check out our Facebook group. Lunch with Norm, Amazon FBA and e-commerce collective. This is our uh, community. This is where you can hang out with the Beard Nation. We do discounts, giveaways. Uh, We've got a whole great community over there um, posting questions, giving advice. And uh, if you're on Amazon or selling on e-com, it's a great place to be. So check it out. Links are in the description. And I think that's it.
Okay. We will see everybody next Friday. Thank you. And join us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for being part of the community. And we will see you next time. Entrepreneur, entrepreneur, entrepreneur.